uh, get out your little voice recorder on your phone or uh, your little memo on your, uh, your little notepad and take some notes. Uh, I, like I said, I will be putting some of this in a very short form for you to follow and uh, pray for those that do not know the Lord. I think, first of all, we need to understand, and I believe with all my heart, that prayer is a key to unlock the door of revival in our community. For that reason, I believe it's very important we be a praying church. Amen. That we continue in prayer. And it's uh, easy to pray uh, when, when things are going difficult or, or we're having a challenge. And I think it's very important that those disciples went with the Lord into the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, after an hour, he said, could, could you not watch with me one hour? Uh, <laughs> we all know the difficulty of that. Amen. Uh, you know, we pray for a little while and then we, uh, we start maybe uh, don't have anything else to pray for. Or we get distracted or, or our knees start hurting or we need to change posture, some of those things. Or even as some of the disciples, they just flat out went to sleep. We are apostolic, aren't we? <laughs> Somebody say amen. <laughs> but uh, the necessity of, of praying for those that do not know the Lord, I I think we need to understand that the lost will not and cannot be saved unless somebody prays for them. I want that to dawn on us tonight that our community and any community we want to uh, invest in or see a work of God done, it cannot be done and will not be done unless somebody prays. And I want to tell you why I believe that. You say, well, the Lord saves people, you know, nobody prayed for them. Well, uh, this is emphatically mentioned in Scripture and I want to share it with you. Because the Bible portrays people that do not know the Lord or in their lost condition. It, it, it explains it this way. It portrays them this way. And I want you to think about this. Think very, put on your thinking cap. Uh, those that do not serve a submitted life to Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us the first way that they're portrayed is they are children of the devil. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, Fox News is coming on. <laughs> Children of the devil. Now, I'm not talking about your kids or my kids. I'm talking about those that are lost. And I know that's a pretty strong t- statement, but look at John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Look at this next phrase. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. That's pretty powerful stuff. You say, oh, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm not serving God, but I'm not a child of the devil. Well, Jesus said, if you know me, you'll love me. Right? And if you... If you don't, and going on, he said, your father was a murderer from the beginning and, and didn't abide in the truth because there was no truth in him. He spoke lies and he speaketh of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. You know, somebody's lying. You're not a child of God. You're a child of the devil. Everybody okay? So if, if, if this is the way the Bible portrays lost people, uh, then how do we turn that? Uh, something else the Bible portrays people that do not know the Lord is they are under the, not only are they a, a children of the evil one, they are under the authority of Satan. 
Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. How many believe people need to be turned from darkness to light? And from the power of Satan to God. Now, that's a very important phrase. It doesn't say that they're just kind of ambivalent and God's out over here and Satan's over here. It says that they're in darkness and they're under the power of the adversary. You ever met somebody that uh, was bound by sin and they, they would, if in a, uh, an honest moment, they would say, I don't really know why I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jesus says that they've got a father and he identifies who it is. And then he says they are under the authority of Satan. He tells them what to do, what to think. Okay. Okay. Well, at least if I stay in the Bible, you'll believe that. Somebody say amen. Okay, they're under the authority of Satan. The third thing it betrays them, and this is very important, it lets us know that they are in a strong man's house. Anybody ever heard of the the terrible, terrible, you know, the the, the terrible sin of our nation? Sex trafficking. They take people captive. Uh, take them, kidnap them or their parents. Uh, one preacher in, in our organization, he hasn't heard from, she walked out, she's 18 years old, going to high school, got her backpack, walked out, and uh, eight, I believe it was about 13, 14 years ago, and he's never heard from her since. Doesn't know where she is, don't know what happened. Uh, the Bible likens somebody that lives in sin as being in a strong man's house. I want you to think about that. Now, I'm preaching to the church tonight about the power of your prayer, but I want to preach to those tonight, too, that may be in a strong man's house. <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't think you can get loose. I want you to know you're sitting in a great uh, church tonight that people believe in the power of prayer. Somebody say amen. Amen. And this is why I believe this, Mark 3, 23. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? How can you get better if Satan is your dad and you're under his authority and you're in his house? How are you going to get better? Going to counseling is not going to change that. You're going right back to the same old strong man that's had you captive. Oh, praise God. Man, I'm not even on page two. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom can't stand. <laughs> the devil's not going to let you serve God and stay in his house. <laughs> you can't serve two masters. You gotta, you're going to love one, hate the other, or hate one, love the other. <laughs> Somebody say amen. A kingdom divided against itself can't stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand. But hath an end. Look at verse 27. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man. Oh, praise God. Now that says, if this church is going to see people come to Jesus Christ, we've got some work to do. We can't sit here and raise our hands and say, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And we should praise the Lord. But the Bible says if we're going to bring somebody out of their captive state, we've got to go in the house of the strong man and bind that man. Oh, come on. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. You've got to bind the man that's holding them. And then you can take his goods. I don't know about you, but I believe the Lord wants us to take some goods from the strong man. <laughs> I believe there's some men wasting their life in, a, in bondage. 
Somebody say amen. Oh, yeah. The Lord said, Satan's not going to cast out Satan. He's going to try to keep everybody he can. If you're going to get what Satan has, you got to go in there and bind that strong man. This is why we believe in prayer, church. This is why when we come to prayer, we ought to do more than say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. we got to go in the strong man's house and get his goods. Anybody believe that? The fifth way the Bible likens to somebody that's not committed to the Lord, not saved. Listen, it says they're prisoners of war. Isaiah 14, 16. That they... That they Boy, don't preach with a, with a cough drop in your mouth. You might need the Heimlich maneuver if you do. Isaiah 14, verse 16. They that see thee shall, look, shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities? Now, before we go on... This Isaiah is writing about when we finally see Satan. He's not talking about the Lord. He's talking about when you finally see the devil. You know what? He's not going to be a big, bad, muscular guy that's got smoke coming out of his mouth. If uh, Isaiah said, everybody that sees him is going to say, is this the dude that we've been scared of? Do I need to read it again? It says, is this the one that made the earth tremble? Is this the one that shook kingdoms, that made the earth the wilderness, destroyed the cities there? Look at this. That would not open the house of his prisoners? Did we let this man dictate to us what we were doing? Is this the one we let not open the door and let the prisoners out? Folks, I believe the devil knows that the church begins to pray that the doors are going to open. Bondage is going to be broken. Amen. Come on. I'm, I'm... I'm praying in the next 30 days we begin to bind the strong man. We, We declare that the doors will be opened and lives will be changed. Come on, somebody say amen. Another way it characterizes those that are not saved, look at this. It says they're blinded to the gospel. Well, I tried to share with them. Listen, you can, you can lead, you can, if, if you led a blind man to the edge of the Grand Canyon and said, man, look how beautiful that is. They don't see it. You can, you can quote the scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, you know why it's hid? He has blinded the minds of them. They can't see it. Well, I'll just live in front of them and one day they'll... No, they cannot see it. And you say, well, if we'll witness enough. No, this is why we need to pray. No, I mean pray. Like, instead of thinking, well, maybe they'll wake up one day. No, just say, God, they're blind right now. And I'm praying against the blindness that's gripped them. And I'm praying they can see where they are. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord. It, it plainly teaches 
that Satan has blinded the minds of the lost specifically to keep them from understanding the gospel. He doesn't want them walking in that door and hearing a preacher preach and their eyes be open and then walk down an altar and repent of their sins and be baptized. He doesn't want that to happen. He'll even let them come to church if he can keep them blind. So that's why we as a church have to pray because nothing removes those blinders like the Spirit. The God of this world has blinded their eyes, so we have to... Well, I would believe if somebody's eyes, blind eyes... Well, I want to tell you the miracle I want to see is a drug addict walk in the door and they sit in the pew and they're half looped, they're high as a kite, but all of a sudden the blinders fall off and they see their need for Jesus... That doesn't happen unless there's a church that is praying for the blind eyes to be open. Somebody say amen. It's a condition of the mind. Unless the Holy Ghost removes these blinders, they cannot see it. Why? 1 Corinthians 4 and 14, 2 and 14 says the things of God are foolishness to him. Uh, amen. That's right. That's why when Lester gets excited and he starts running around the church, there'll be some that are laughing and there'll be some that are rejoicing. The laughers, laughters think, the laughers think it's foolishness. The rejoicers have seen it. They know why he's running. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Try to share the gospel with someone in this condition, which includes every lost person, may even do more harm than good. I'm going to say that again. Trying to share the gospel with somebody in a blind condition sometimes can do more harm than good. You have to pray, Lord, open the eyes of their mind. This is why we're going into focused prayer. We're not just going to say, oh, God saved this city. No, we're going to start binding stuff. We're going to start loosing stuff. We're going to pray for spiritual illumination in this community. I want to tell you, false doctrine has had people bound too long. It's time for some eyes to be open. Somebody say amen. And once we understand the importance of praying for souls to be saved, we need to learn how to do it. And I believe that's very, very important. Somebody say amen. I'm going to hurry. i got to hurry real quickly. Uh, Some of the most strongest reasons for us to pray for those that do not know the Lord, uh, it needs to be Bible-based reasons. It uh, uh, needs to be Bible-based reasons. You know, I think it may... uh, I'm going to try to tread real careful here. Uh, I, I think the Lord could see right through me if I was really tore up about one of my family members being lost and pretty careless about everybody else. I think the Lord would be able to see right through it if I sit with my arms crossed through the whole service, but when my daughter backslides and needs God or my son uh, uh, does something terrible and I need God to move, that all of a sudden then... (laughs) That's, oh, it is the truth. It's called hypocritical. See, the biblical reason is not, well, I'm more concerned about mine. No, you know, God is no respecter of persons. When we can weep over the stranger, 
that we say like the Pharisee, who is my neighbor? And the Lord said, well, just look around you. Why do I need to end? Well, I'm only concerned about what a selfish world that is. That we're only worried about our own. But I want to tell you, God starts moving. When we have the spirit of Christ on us, and that's the spirit of love that says, you know what? My son may be backslid, but I'm going to pray for somebody else's child. I'm going to pray for my own, but I'm going to be just as involved for somebody else's soul. I'm going to worship like my kids in the altar. I'm going to pray like that's my boy. Now we're getting somewhere. You know what that means? You can't take a Sunday off. Because it's inconsistent to be asleep one Sunday. And then when your grandchild's being baptized, you're running the aisles. It's inconsistent. You're like those children of Israel that griped and complained all night, but when the sea opened up and their little carcass got saved, they got on the other side and started grabbing out their tambourines going, Woo-hoo! Yeah, that's real nice. Dance now. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. The Bible reasons for praying is because we love people. Prayer is described as love on its knees. Let me tell you, an attitude uh, of a lost condition. Let me help you with that. You remember the rich man when he died and went to hell? You don't want to go there. He said, I'm tormented. Jesus told this story, and I believe he was telling the truth. There is a hell, and you better stay out of it. Rich man lifted up his eyes and said, hey, I'm, I'm in torment. He said, somebody come help me. And the voice said, we can't come help you. It, your, your help's passed. You remember what he did? He started praying. He started praying in hell. You remember what he prayed? Yeah. Hey, my brothers are lost. Oh God, I pray that this church doesn't wait till it's too late to start praying. Oh yeah. Oh, he's concerned now. He wasn't concerned before. And look who he's concerned about. Only his brothers. I don't hear him saying, nobody ought to come here. Tell everybody to stay out of hell. No, he's only worried about his own. That's, that's probably part of the reason he's there. Uh Uh-oh. Man, I I need to stop now. Somebody say amen. We need to pray because we love people. We love souls. We love this community. We We love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Well, I don't have anybody to pray for. Uh, Okay. You you need to pray through then first. (laughs) Because you got the Spirit of the Lord. You don't want anybody lost. And you need to understand the power that comes when in prayer. Listen, saints, I want you to know, every prayer you pray, God hears it. I'm, I don't have time to mess with it. Go in Revelation where those angels before the coming of the Lord, they go into that place where the prayers of the saints have been bottled up. And before the Lord comes back, they go in there and get those vials and they start popping them open and they start pouring them back out in the earth. I want to tell you, that day is coming when the prayers of God's people are going to be answered. 
it's coming. Keep on praying. You may not see it tomorrow, but there's going to be a day. You got to keep on praying. You got to keep on believing. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. Yeah. There's power when we pray. When the atomic bomb was dropped on Japan during World War II, some 92,000 people were killed. Listen to this. But in the Bible, when Assyria came against Jerusalem and King Hezekiah went into his little chamber and he began to cry out to God on behalf of God's people, God sent one angel and slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. Hezekiah's prayer was twice as powerful as an atomic bomb. No, that's real good. That's not pretty good. That's real good. In fact, that's downright awesome to know that when I'm back in that room on Monday and I'm just praying, oh God, move in this community, that something is moving even though I don't see it. Just keep on praying, church. Keep on coming. Keep on believing God. God's moving. I said God's moving in your family. You may not even know it, but he's moving. Oh, let's believe him right now. Clap your hands under the Lord. You know, you know why we ought to pray for the lost? You want to know why we ought to pray for those that are lost in our community? Because God expects us to. That's a good reason, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Well, look at Isaiah 59, 16. He saw that there was no man and wondered why there was no intercessor. Why isn't anybody praying? Why isn't anybody concerned? And when he noticed nobody was interceding, it says what he did. His arm brought salvation. If they won't do it, I'll do it. Now, if Jesus said, the works that I do, I do expressly from of my Father. Everything I do, I do it because I see him do it. I think the church, everything they, they do, they ought to do because they see Jesus do it. And what's Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing right now? Why is he alive? I'm asking you a question. He ever lives to what? To make intercession if he's praying we ought to be praying because if if God looked for an intercessor couldn't find one so he became one I think he'd like for us to intercede he'd like for the church to pray and not just pray Lord give me a million dollars Somebody say amen. I'm trying to figure out what to leave out. (laughs) There's Bible examples of prayer. Jesus Christ prayed on the cross. What did he pray? Father, forgive them. I can't pray for them. I can't stand them. In fact, they come to this church, I'm going to another one. I'm going to tell you like I've told everybody that's had that question. I'm not keeping anybody from coming in this church. Everybody good with that? 
Oh, yeah, I am. Because the minute this church is not whosoever will, God's going to find somebody else to have revival with. And he's going to test that mentality. He's going to send that person you can't stand. And maybe they'll sit right by you. Yeah. Whosoever will. Oh, everybody ought to be saved. Huh? Yeah, let's see how that works. I am coming on, Brother Homer. Jesus prayed. Paul prayed. (laughs) Amen. And God has made it my responsibility. We are members of the holy priesthood of God. And this makes me responsible for others because priests, what do priests do? They stand before God for other people. That's what priests do. I'm standing before God for my community. I don't know if you recognize how blessed this community is because you're a part of it. Oh, I know you shouldn't think more highly of yourselves than you ought, but the devil beats your brains out about how unworthy you are long enough. Maybe just give me a few seconds here to encourage you to say this community is blessed just because you live here. See, you don't even believe that. (laughs) Your neighborhood's blessed because you got a house on that road. So be a blessing. (laughs) Somebody say amen. There are a number of personal factors. I want to hurry through this. Faithfulness is one. Amen. We need to be faithful in prayer. Somebody say amen. And there are other factors. Brokenness. Everybody say brokenness. I believe we ought to ask God, help us, Lord, to have a broken heart over those that are lost. The Bible says, they that sow in tears shall what? Reap in joy. (laughs) I think we ought to be watering this community with our tears. It said, the Bible says we ought to travail, and this is a picture of birth. The word is, is a picture of childbirth. It's like what happens when a woman has a baby. Of course, now they, you know, epidural can kind of pull back some of that travail. But spiritually, babies are not born unless we travail. You ever heard of the man by the name of, they called him Praying Hyde, but his first name was John. He was a missionary to in India. He literally gave his life praying for souls to be saved. In 1908, at the beginning of the year, he prayed for God to give him a soul every day. He won over 400 people to Jesus Christ that year. When uh, 1909 dawned, he prayed, God, give me two souls every day. And he won over 800 souls to Jesus Christ that year. Then in 2010, he prayed for four souls a day. And God granted him his request. But during that year, his health began to fail. And a friend persuaded him to see a doctor. For us to understand the tremendous toil of travail for souls, listen to what the doctor told him, and I quote. He told Praying Hyde this, and I quote. The heart is is in an awful condition. I have never come across such a bad case as this. It is as it, it has been shifted out of its natural position on the left side to a place over on the right side. Through stress and the strain, it is in such bad condition that it will require months and months of strictly quiet living to bring it back again to anything like its normal state. 
What have you been doing with yourself? The doctor asked this man. Unless you change your whole life and give up the strain, you will have to pay the supreme penalty within about six months. Praying Hyde prayed his heart from the left side of his chest to the right side. Huh. And you know what? Say you got the Holy Ghost. Say you got baptized in Jesus' name. Tell me you felt goosebumps Sunday morning when I was preaching. But you're going to stand in the judgment with that man. I'm going to stand in the judgment with that man. Yeah. I think the church ought to be praying. It concerns me that we have a gym full on Sunday and a handful on Monday. Am I okay? Aren't you glad the guests are not here, at least all of them? Yeah. Oh, Brother Gene, I pray at home. Absolutely, and you should, and it's okay. If you can't be here and you're praying at home, that's pretty awesome. But I want this to be a praying church. I believe God wants this to be a praying church. I believe there are people bound in our community that are not going to get released because we put them in a counseling session. They're going to get released because the church prays for the light of the gospel to pierce their minds. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Isaiah 14, we need to pray persistently because if, if actually people that are lost are prisoners in Satan's house who he refuses to let go, then we need to just keep banging on the door. Yeah. Not only that, Acts 26 and 18 says the lost are under the jurisdiction and authority of Satan. And if that's the case, we just need to keep on praying. Don't quit. We just keep on because we have authority in the Holy Ghost. I think it's very important we fast. Well, Brother Gene, I get hungry. Yeah, that's right. You are going to get hungry. In fact, I just, I'm going to be a prophet. If you don't eat tomorrow, you're going to get hungry. Yeah, expect that. that. That's not a sign that you're not spiritual. If you fast, you're going to get hungry. Absolutely. And you should fast. And you say, why should I fast? Because the Bible tells us prayer is powerful. Twice as powerful as an atomic bomb. We already know. But there's something else Jesus said. There are some strong men that are so strong that you better pray and fast. Everybody say, that's right, Pastor. There are some victories that we will not get by just praying. That's why we say it's prayer and fasting revival. It's more than just, oh, here we go again. I, you know, just as long as they don't see me go through the drive-thru, everything's cool. No, we need some of you to get a hold of this, that there are some victories we cannot have. Jesus said it, this kind. Now, you can have other kind by praying, but this kind cannot happen unless you pray and fast. Well, clap your hands if you believe it. If you don't, clap them anyway. Amen. We need to pray aggressively. Aggressively. I think we need help here. We need to pray aggressively. You know, the Bible says that we've been given the keys to the kingdom. (laughs) 
And on this rock I'll build my church. What's the next phrase? And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Listen, I want to tell you, if those doors back there were gates, how do they not prevail against you? You just go bust right through them. That's what you do. They can't stay close. A gate is for protecting people, right? Property, holding your pets in, keeping prisoners in. Can I get an amen? Gates hold people in. They're locked. But the Bible says the kingdom of God has been built on a system that the gates can't stay closed to. So we go aggressively with authority. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. I want you to lift your hands right now and say, Lord, help me to grab a hold of this in these next few weeks as we enter into prayer as a church. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. And then the Bible talks about when we begin to talk to God about saving, it talks about pleading. Everybody say pleading. Pleading. Pleading, asking, begging, saying to God certain things. And this is what I'll share with you mostly Sunday. Listen. It bothers me spiritually. I must be honest with you. It bothers me spiritually. To know that Abraham knew exactly what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, I think I'm pretty safe to say a lot of what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, we understand it today. Right? It boggles my mind, Brother Robbie, that when I find that old man of faith who knew what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, when I see what he was doing, you know what he's doing? He was down at the courthouse carrying a picket sign. No. He was putting on Facebook, God hates all you people. No. That's not what he was doing either. No. You know what he was doing? He was in a lonely place in the mountain. And he was praying. God save that city. It bugs me when Christians talk about who God hates and who he's going to condemn to hell and where they're going. Why don't we get the spirit of Abraham? We know what people are doing. They're sinning. They're sinners. They're blind. That's what they're doing. They're doing only what they know to do. Where is the Abrahams that'll get in the corner and say, God, save this city. They don't deserve to be lost. I know they're doing bad stuff, but they don't deserve to go to hell. Nobody deserves that. Where is that church? Yeah. Yeah. Where is that church? Abraham pleading with God. Jeremiah pleading with God. It's all through the Bible. Pleading that God would save. He wants to save. In this area, I must... And let me hurry. Let me put forth a warning... I believe God wants this community to feel His love, to feel His delivering power, to know His truth. I believe that. In fact, there's a city like Salem in the Bible that God wanted saved too. 
Nineveh. That great city. And to save Nineveh, you know what he had to do? He had to stir the people of God. Jonah specifically. The preacher. And he came down to Jonah and said, you know what? I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach. In 30 days, Nineveh shall be destroyed. I'm going to destroy them. Same thing he told Abraham. You know what? It drove Abraham to the prayer chamber. Oh, not Jonah. Oh, good. You're going to destroy him? Good thing. They need destroying. Why do we want to have revival? Half these people in this town are nitwits. They need the judgment of God. Oh, no. You're just revealing who your father is when you talk like that. Every soul in this community is made in the image of Almighty God. And they deserve His love. They deserve a place at this altar. And they deserve a place in that pew. I don't care what they've done. I don't care how bad they were. I don't care how dark their world was or how blind they were. Yeah. God said, I'm going to destroy Nineveh, Jonah. And you need to go preach to them. Uh, and Jonah said, oh, no, I ain't going to preach to them. No, because they need destruction. You need to slap them around a little bit. Oh, God. <laughs> I thank God he's patient with us, don't you? I see Jonah in me so often. I ain't preaching to him anymore. No, they know better. They wouldn't believe me anyway. Go ahead and wipe them out. I'm going on vacation. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go down to the dock all right, but I ain't getting on the, the cruise bound for Nineveh. No, I'm getting on uh, Norwegian, and we're headed to Tarshish, the resort city. And you know what happened. The ship got in a storm, and they started throwing everything over. And finally, the preacher said, no, I'm the reason. Throw me over. And they threw the preacher over. A big fish swallowed him up. He found himself in the well of a belly. Yep, in a well of a belly. And he cried out to God, Lord, I'll go preach to him if you give me one more chance. You know what? God wants this community to hear the gospel. And I pray he doesn't have to put you in a storm to make you realize it. Have you ever thought that maybe some of the storms in the saints' lives are because we're a little self-centered? We're not reaching souls. You're in the tempest because Nineveh needs to hear the gospel. And Jonah says, okay, God, I'll go. <laughs> the whale spits him out on the shore, and he goes staggering through Nineveh, preaching 30 days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Wow, what a revival. The king said, everybody fast. We're, our animals are not eating. Nobody's eating a bite of food. We're going to pray and fast, and maybe God will spare us. And guess what happened? God spared him, and the preacher got mad. He got mad. He started sulking, and he said, Read it for yourself. When God spared Nineveh, Jonah said, You know what, God? This is exactly why I got on Norwegian and went to Tarsus. Because I knew if I preached that, you'd make a liar out of me and save them. And I'd look bad. 
I want to tell you something right now. God doesn't care about our reputation as much as He cares about the lost finding Him. So when we start thinking, well, if they come to our church, what kind of reputation are we going to have? God doesn't care about our reputation. He wants the lost saved. Whosoever will, come on in. (laughs) There's plenty of room for all of us. Come on. Anybody hear what I'm saying? He wants us to reach this community. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. Oh, clap your hands up. Come on, let's stand. We're going to stop right there. I want you to give the Lord praise right now. I want you to just clap your hands and say, Lord, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for redeeming me. (laughs) Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It'll happen. We're going to enter into it this Sunday, but I believe God wants to start it right now before we have a time of prayer together. Anybody remember Charles Finney, the great evangelist, had incredible revivals. And uh, Charles Finney describes prayer during times of his revival. And I want to quote what he said. I want you to listen to this. Say what you want to about his doctrine, but I want to tell you something. They prayed so much that God did miraculous things. And I quote, Charles Finney said, I have said more than once that the spirit of prayer that prevailed in those revivals was a very marked feature of the revival. It was common for young converts to be greatly exercised in prayer and in some instances so much so that they were constrained to pray whole nights until their bodily strength was quite exhausted. For the the conversion of souls around them There was a great pressure of the Holy Spirit upon the minds of Christians and they seemed to bear about with them the burden of immortal souls. It was very common to find Christians whenever they met in any place instead of engaging in conversation to fall on their knees in prayer. Not only were were prayer meetings greatly multiplied and fully attended, but there was a mighty spirit of secret prayer Christians prayed a great deal, many of them spending hours in private prayer. It was, on, it was also the case that two or more would take the promise, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And make a particular, pers- make a particular person a subject of prayer. And it was wonderful to what an extent they prevailed. Answers to prayer were so manifestly multiplied on every side that no one could escape the conviction that God was daily and hourly answering prayer. Yeah. Say what you want about our city going to hell. I'll stand in the judgment with those kind of people. And I think I'll hear the Lord say, now here's what they did. What did you do? Oh, Lord, I had a nice fire burning last night. (laughs) Played some rook with my family, Lord. And none of those things are wrong, especially the hot fire burning in your wood stove. But I'll say this. I think it's very important we exercise spiritual warfare. 
And we go to war for those that are lost and do not know Jesus Christ. I want you to reach over and connect with somebody right now. I want us to pray in this church right now. God, in the next four weeks, we're going to enter into prayer like never before. We're going to enter into prayer like never before. We're going to see your work done in this community, God. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the power that is in your word. I thank you for the power that is in your spirit. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for the revelation of the power of prayer in the people of God. Lord, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. What would happen if a hundred saints in this church would bind together in prayer? What would happen in our community? What would happen in revival in this new year? Lord, I believe you're going to do great things. Let us get a hold of it, God. Renew some saints of God in prayer, oh Lord. I thank you for what you've done, but there's more souls to be saved. There's more that need to know the Lord. I wish I had a way to get it to the... Is that, a, is that an Apple computer? Is that a Mac? Can it airdrop? God, can, it, can you come do this for me? Is there any way? Can I airdrop a picture to that? Is there any way to do that? Can you work on that? While, okay. If you can see it, I, I just thought of it, or I'd have done it before service. Listen. This picture, if we can get it there. Brother Nick Mahaney, how many of you know him? Comes every year, preach a revival. He said, oh man, i got to share this picture with you. I said, okay. Well, so he sent it to me. And in this picture, it's a church he preaches a revival in. There's a couple of men that would go to church, go to the church before they go to work. And they'd pray in the church every morning. And this was no different. They were in the church praying, walking across the front and praying and seeking God for revival. And they said, especially on this morning, they felt the Spirit of the Lord so strongly. They felt an unction in prayer. And uh, one man was walking around with his phone, and he's praying, and sometimes he's reading his Bible and just praying. And he accidentally, he just kind of turned around, and he accidentally hit the camera on his phone, and it took a picture. He didn't think anything about it, but he realized later he took a picture during prayer. And he looked at that picture, and right across the top of the church, you can see them as plain as day. Two angelic beings going across the top of that church. Folks, there's power in your prayer. I was praying for a lady in a revival years and years ago. Older lady, elderly, probably, well, here I am. I was, I was much younger then, so she may not have been as old as I thought she was. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? She could have been 57. <laughs> no. She was old. I'm telling you, she was old. <laughs> it's just a miracle that somebody lived that long and, and you know, she just weak and, and frail. But she was down at the altar and all of a sudden the Spirit of God, never been in church in her life, never, never gone to church. First time in a Pentecostal service. There it is. Can you blow it up? Can you blow? Is there any blow up in there? Anyway. See it right there? You can see right down the middle aisle. Look right up at the top. See? There's power when you pray. We're entertaining angels unaware. They're in this room right now. <laughs> you think I'm, I'm not playing. <laughs>
We are surrounded by an innumerable company of angels. Paul said it. They're in this room. And every once in a while, we get verification. Now, if you want to see a better picture of that, just see me on my, on my iPad. It's better. They did? Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> There's the fat angels. <laughs> no, anyway, listen. listen. This elderly lady's down here praying, and she begins to speak in tongues. All of a sudden, she begins to speak in tongues. The pastor on the platform is such a miracle. He's, he spins around, and he takes a picture of this woman. She's got her hands up speaking in tongues. <laughs> And when he looked at the picture, there was fire coming out of the ends of that woman's hands. Just fire shooting out. You know, there are times I need a little of that verification. But every service by faith, I know that's happening. I don't need the picture. I thank God when it happens. But when we pray, something happens. When we believe, something happens. When we ask, the answer's given. Come on. Come on, let's rejoice right now. Lord, we know there's power when the saints of God pray. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, this coming week, we're gonna start a prayer service. We're gonna just pray and believe God's gonna move. Well, if you wanna see the good picture, see me after, it's on my iPad. I'll even send it to you if you want it. Somebody say amen. Second Chronicles 7, 14, you may not know it by heart, but when I start quoting it, you can probably pick right up. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from my, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I don't know about you, but I want Brother Ronnie's beans to be special beans this year. Anybody want some special land this year? I believe God wants to heal our community. I believe God wants to heal our nation. Amen. Okay, I'm going to let you go, but after this Fox News report, last night, I don't know if you noticed, we're getting ready for a peace deal in Israel. You notice that? My wife said to me, my God, the Lord, he could come back tomorrow. You better believe it. He's coming back. Let's see every soul saved. We can see saved in Jesus' name. Greet somebody. Tell them you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord. Amen. And greet our guests. Tell them I'm going to be praying for you. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. You're dismissed.